Hey, Scream Therapy listeners. As you might imagine, doing the Scream Therapy podcast over the past year and a half has been emotionally heavy and a lot of work. Now that the podcast has reached 40 episodes, I've decided to take a break for a while so I can come back recharged. But fear not, during Scream Therapy's absence, I'm bringing you a spin-off podcast. It's called Flex Your Head. Each episode, I dissect a classic punk album with one of my dear friends as a guest. My guest on this episode is Drew Swalwell. Drew and I lost touch for 20 years, but we've reconnected in a big way. In the late 90s, I knew Drew as a smiley, positive guy. Now he's one of my go-to friends for life, and I'm stoked to have him here. Drew sings and plays guitar in a band of his own called Banui, but we'll hear more about that later. Okay, let's rock, let's roll. Hey, Drew, how's it going? Hey, Jason, how's it going, man? Oh, really good. It's great to hear your voice. So what album are we talking about today? We are talking about Unwound's middle album, Future What? It's the album that they went from being a hardcore band into an art rock band. All right, let's do it. So the future of what came out in 1995 on Kill Rock Stars, and it was Unwound's fourth studio album, and it was actually their fifth album in six years, which I thought was pretty amazing. Justin Trosper on guitar and vocals, we had Vern Rumsey on bass, and Sarah Lund on drums. So real power trio there. Yeah. John Gibson, who was kind of a Kill Rock Stars house engineer, and then Steve Fisk, another guy that was really involved with Kill Rock Stars, produced. Let's do some opening thoughts. What came to you right away? I mean, this record for me, it holds a lot of, uh, just a lot of history for me. This record has always been the record that turned me on to punk. I was aware of it. I loved it. I was roading for bands and stuff like that. Actually, uh, Dan Beckner from Wolf Parade was like, hey, you like Sonic Youth? Check this out. And he put on Future of What? And it just opened up my mind of like, holy crap, music can sound like this. You and I had gone back and forth about what album to do. And I was like, I was pretty dead set on this one because it's a band that's changing from a hardcore or post hardcore into a more dynamic art band. I get chills just thinking about this. And this isn't even actually my favorite Unwound album. It's just the one that I think is the most important in their catalog. Which one's your favorite? I really like Leaves. Leaves are, are a challenge for a, a civilized society. Those two are weird and obscure and really deep and full of background sounds and that's that's kind of my jam so well i like fake train and new plastic ideas the best so we're on exactly opposite poles of the spectrum here the first two albums i love the feedback on those two albums and i think on this one there was a couple songs that had it but they were definitely going more to a clean guitar sound which you know great good on them but i did miss that part of the band with this Mm. album for sure this is pretty wild. It's 17 songs, including the, yeah. the uh, noise tracks at the end. But yeah. it's 59 minutes long, including those tracks. This album was recorded just after they 
got back from New Plastic Ideas, the tour of England, I think. And they were really sort of stretching their their wings on what they could do. So the songs, for the most part, I think, fit into the three to four minute realm, except yeah. for Swan, I think, is closer to eight minutes. Yeah, and then Pedals Like Bricks and Here Come the Dogs are their punkiest songs on the album. They're both about 220 or so. Oh, definitely. I like the song Dissension because it reminds me of when I first heard Unwound, which is when Fake Train came out. So this is early 90s. And I always thought they sounded like Nirvana, just had that same kind of melancholy, semi-depressed kind of feel. And yeah. so this song Dissension on, on this album really has that same feel to it. And I just love the way that Justin's vocals are so urgent, but they're also kind of slacker in parts. Yeah, And I was reading somewhere that someone had said that he's the only person that screams without an exclamation mark. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, every song on here is great, but what are your real standouts? So some of mine are, um, Dissension is great. I really like some of the noisier experimental stuff, like Part of My French, even though it's like a tiny minute and a half. But the fact that Sarah and Justin are speaking right at the beginning of it, just saying, are we still recording? There's a lot of this album that just sort of feels like you're in the studio with them. Yeah. And I love that. When first listening to it, it made me feel like I could be in the studio with them. It was very easy to envision myself being in a studio. I did a bit of a meditation when I was listening to the album earlier today, laid on the couch and fell asleep almost. And then all of a sudden that came in are we recording and it just like bolted out because i thought it was in the house <laughs> yeah, right that's a great moment i think it's really cool to be pulled in to the studio like that totally also here come the dogs that's a great punk song they had been touring with drive like jehu okay. quite a bit i know they played in victoria around 95 with drive like jehu and you can really hear it in totally. here come the dogs like it's it's like an adjacent to drive like jehu's song structure yeah like the bullet train to vegas song yeah you yeah know, absolutely like that yeah. real explosion at the beginning you saw that show correct mm -mm. you did see unwound at one point i did i saw them on uh, challenge era i went down to seattle to see them they absolutely blew me away on that did they play a lot of songs from this album yeah they played a lot of songs from this album they played here come the dogs i believe new energy you must have a favorite on the album. I know you talked about Dissension, but is there one that really stands out? A new energy. I think the anxiety that that shows up with, it's an audio version of the graphics on the front of the cover. <laughs> yeah. I had the guy's name written down. It's Yak or Yakov. Yakov Chernikov, Russian constructivist artist. Yeah. The jagged edges of his artwork and the black and white of it, that's new energy in a song. And that's... I just thought that that was like, it wrapped it up perfectly for me. They just released a t-shirt of that recently, and I went online to see if I could get it. It's like not on the site anymore, but it's oh, right. really cool. <laughs> it's just that piece of art on the front. Anyways, mm. that's more of a, a fashion wardrobe kind of comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the back of my party vest, you know, everybody else has got Iron Maiden and stuff like that. I've got a unwound patch on the back of my jacket. Totally. I read in an interview that, Justin talked about that track, Full Explanation of Answer, which is a noisy track. Yeah. He said, that's just Vern making his amplifier sound like a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
the fact that they're able to deconstruct their instruments to just create noise as a song is fantastic. All the way through their career, you know, they were pushing boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then Justin's vocals, they're so, it sounds like his throat is ripping apart, but he's singing a whole album like this. It's just fantastic. There's generally not a lot of up and down or peaks and valleys to his vocals. It's kind of just a straight delivery. How he changes that all up is the pitch will go up just a little bit as the song goes on. And if you have a peak in the song, his pitch goes up just a little bit or it goes off key just a little bit. But the next one will be like a little more frantic. And the next one will be a little more frantic. Well, you explained it really well because you're the music guy. (laughs) (laughs) I barely know the word pitch. So there you go. Yeah. I'm I'm, get, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so lyrics, actually, there's one that really stood up for me was in the song Natural Disasters, where he says, I'm on a subway to a place I can't pronounce, but at least I didn't pay. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. He is great with doing that, with hitting that one line that is really memorable in a sort of low spot in the, in the music. Yeah. Reading his lyric sheets are fantastic in their poetry, but he's really good at finding that, that little gap in the song to say something that just really sticks. It's interesting how with a lot of the songs, the song title, he's basically just screaming that word. Yeah. Which I really like. Yeah. Some bands like to have the goofy names and stuff, but I like how immediate it is. And I think actually his lyrics are all really immediate. It's not flowery or double meanings. It's just like, boom, here you go. This is what it is. No. As like somebody who's now a lyricist, I'm using air quotes on lyricists. I'm trying to do the same sort of thing as like hide the title of the songs somewhere in there. And it's not something that's going to get repeated or be like a really heavy part of the, of the song, but the, it'll be in there somewhere. It's kind of fun. It's like a little game of hide and seek when you're listening to an unwound album. It's like, where is that lyric going to come in? that Justin is amazing as he is with guitar, which is very textured and subtle in some places. Yeah. You know, we talked about the amazing vocals and the pitch he hits when he's, I'm using the word pitch now, yay. The pitch that he hits <laughs> when he screams, you know, that scream that he has. Yeah. But really, for me, it's the rhythm section. Oh, yeah. Sarah is such an amazing drummer. We were trading back and forth on that drum battle that she did with Janet Weiss. Yeah. He used to be in Slater Kinney and how amazing that was. But yeah, you just hear her all over the record and then Vern's bass lines are just, oh, they just send shivers up my spine. Vern and Sarah allow Justin to get weird. They lock in so tight together that Justin can go off. His guitar can can be off time. It can it can screech. It can do little things. You sent me that video of Valentine card. That's a roadie playing guitar. Yeah, and it's just Vern and Sarah running that song while Justin's just rolling around the floor screaming. <laughs> that was one of the things that I saw too uh, when I saw them. 
And I can't remember if they were a four piece at that point, but yeah, Vernon Sarah carried a lot of the songs where Justin would do loops and kind of free improv the rest of the song. On the future of what it sounded like Vern had a bit different of a bass sound. Like he really sounded like he's in overdrive a lot of the time. I vaguely remember uh, reading an article where he wasn't able to really afford any good equipment. So he's using a ripped, his, uh, his speaker was, was ripped. Okay. That makes sense. You get that really fat, fuzzy sound. You know, he's just a really hard plucker. That was one of the things I remember seeing him because I got to see them twice, seeing him, the way he plucks at the strings or just like attacks the strings. Those strings are moving fast. And he, he sits on the low strings more than anything. Like he's taking care of the low end of the song. He passed away last year. And I know that mm-hmm. a lot of folks in the underground music scene were torn up about that. And, you know, he had a really big influence. He was an amazing bass player. But he has his demons, or he had his demons. And unfortunately, they overtook him. You're a guitar player. So what's your thoughts on, on Justin's style? We did touch on that a little bit. You've mentioned flat out that you are inspired by his guitar playing. Yeah, 100%. It gets to the point where <laughs> my last band used a tuning that I found on unwound.com, I think it was. I found a tuning of theirs, and I wrote almost all of our songs in that tuning. My new band, Banui, we play with open tunings, just like, just like Unwound did. After our first show, we had a few people run up being like, oh my God, you're, you're so Pacific Northwest. <laughs> you must be a fan of Unwound. And I was like, yeah, yes, I am. They nailed it, eh? I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. Like, usually you don't want to be so pigeonholed, but I'm really proud to be a disciple of, of Unwound. I think that's a very flattering thing for somebody to say. What is it about this album that you pushed for, you fought for? We did talk about doing new plastic ideas. Like I said off the top, it's the album where there's a little bit of the past. The first two albums are mixed in there, but you start to see them evolving, uh, starting to change up their timing. There's weird time signatures in there. You see them coalescing as a band more. There's songs like Disappoint and Accident on Purpose, which are songs that could be something on repetition very easily. Yeah. But then you have, I love this, the album ends with Swan. on it that reminds you of the early unwound albums but there's a a swelling and a fullness of what repetition is going to turn out so swan is almost like their swan song of their early career and moving into like a more mature full sound 
with a lot more experimentation as opposed to, you know, let's just scramble through this four and a half minutes of a song. I always thought about bands and the last songs on albums because often bands don't really know if they're going to be continuing as a band. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered if some bands would put the song at the end that would, if they had to put a nail in the coffin, that song would be the one. I know that Propaganda has done that in the past, and you could argue that Fugazi on the argument, the last song, the argument is kind of a this is it moment. It's interesting, Swan Song, you know, that's, that's a really good observation. Yeah, uh, I don't know enough of their their history to know if, if that was actually a thing where they were like, this is the end of our period of hardcore. Repetition came out a year later, so <laughs> yeah, obviously they didn't want to break up because they <laughs> yeah pushed through a new album pretty fast. Well, and Justin had a side project called Worst Case Scenario at yeah. that point, uh, which is just a very hardcore band. And if you don't know Worst Case Scenario, go out and try find that album because that's a just fantastic album all to itself. Yeah. And I sort of feel like Justin got that out of his system with Worst Case Scenario and this album. And he was able to move into sort of a softer, more dynamic sound moving forward with Unwound. This is actually not a good idea, but I like to look at YouTube comments on these albums. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's some pretty good ones. So this one was from... Fu Fan Wang, and it was posted three years ago. It says, best album ever recorded. If you don't believe that, life is just a dance, and you have to take it seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other person here was Jax, and it was five years ago. And the person says, does Unwound imitate music, or does music imitate Unwound? And then three (laughs) question marks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they nailed it. Uh, When Dan Beckner had introduced his album to me, he's like, you like Sonic Youth? This is like Sonic Youth, but with better lyrics. That always really stood with me because as much as I like lyrics in Sonic Youth, Justin's lyrics, there's a realness to all all of his lyrics. And it's not just sort of garbage that is spilling out of Thurston's mouth. I felt like every word is really well thought out. And that always really stuck with me is it's Sonic Youth with better lyrics. Well, on the Thurston songs. (laughs) Kim's songs are just so good, but yeah, different style, different style. I mean, I play a Sonic Youth signature jazz master, so, you know, Sonic Youth is is pretty high on my list of loves, so. How close were they on this particular album? I don't see a heck of a lot of similarities, especially later on. They definitely had way more Sonic Youth in them. Like you mentioned, really liking Leaves, that kind of has more of a Sonic Youth. yeah. Who else do you see in this? Not that we have to really compare them to other people, but I've read some stuff where they list off some of the bands that they are into and yeah, pretty surprising. You can definitely see the other Pacific Northwest bands in it. Uh, you mentioned Nirvana. I was actually just a little like uh, anecdote for that. They actually shared a jam space with Nirvana in, in Olympia. And so they were sharing a lot of ideas. So as a younger band looking up to Nirvana, but that first album is very much a Nirvana-esque album. Yeah. But uh, Love is Laughter. You can see a lot of Love is Laughter. There's a lot of uh, like witchy poo in there. Just that whole Olympia sound. I think they were really, you know, Heaven's a Betsy I can see in there as well. And They um, shared space with that band Carp. Oh, yeah. Similar sounds. And, and they're known as being an Olympia band. And so is Carp. 
but they actually yeah. both came from a town about an hour south called Tumwater. Tumwater, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting because I think that Carp and Unwound are almost sibling bands in some ways. Yeah, Carp goes more the Jesus Lizard, like Melvin's type of approach, whereas Unwound went the more indie rock, hardcore direction. So that's the thing is that there isn't really anything that that they sound exactly like. You can hear influences, you know that hardcore happened, but it doesn't sound like anything else. I love it. I have this thing where I like to listen to albums and try to pick out individual instruments. So I'll listen to a Slayer record and just listen to Dave Lombardo for the whole record. Mm -hmm. I did this on this album with Sarah's drumming and this, some of the stuff she's doing is just, I've never heard that kind of stuff before with the fills and yeah. the time signatures and it's just pretty amazing when you listen to just her part of it She makes it sound really easy. I yeah. I sat uh, our, our really good friend Brad Julie down once. And I was just like, listen to her. Just listen to this drummer. And Julie is just a fantastic drummer. Yeah. And she was able to pick out things, being like that right there. That's that's hard because it's going against everything else that's going on in the song. I mean, I try to turn whoever will listen to me onto Unwound because all three of them are just fantastic at their instruments and they gel so well together if you listen to uh pedals like bricks there's two guitar parts playing they're actually opposing guitar parts like together they shouldn't go they don't really meld but it's sarah's drumming sarah and Vern once again make it work together but the on the left and right ears there's two different guitar parts going and it's it's a really cool thing if you really dig into justin's guitar parts on that one any final thoughts about this record? It's always my jumping off point because it's got a little of everything. If you like the hardcore, it's got elements in there. If you want more experimental ambient noise, it's got that in there. And then I'll often touch base later on with somebody and be like, hey, what did you like? If they say pedals like bricks, I'll be like, okay, go deeper into their catalog. New Plastic Ideas, you'll love that album. If they're like, oh, I like the sort of more ambient, noisier stuff, I'm like, okay, go check out Repetition. Challenge is a hard one because I don't even think they knew what they were doing during Challenge. This album's a good jumping off point where you can go either way. I've been listening to this band for more than 20 years now, actually 25 years. So I have no intentions of stopping at this point. And you're right, this is an album that I come back to a lot. It's funny because when you have your favorite albums, you almost have them memorized. <laughs> and I kind of had yeah. that with this one. Like I said before, a lot of songs, you know, there's 17 songs included, well, 14 songs and, and then three of the weird bonus track things. Yeah. Do you know much about that noise stuff at the end? It sounds like a merry-go-round or something or? They had an organ in the recording studio and I think they were just playing on it. That's what comes in with Pardon My French yeah. is them just coming up with on this organ. 
I think after that, they just kept on recording and used it as like a throwaway track later on, which when they put it onto the CD, you know, they were able to put on those extra tracks because my vinyl, both my vinyls don't have that. I've got actually two copies of this, this <laughs> album. You like it that much, eh? Oh yeah. Are they the same pressing or whatever? I'm not a record collector, but. I've got the box set and then I've got the Numero Uno reissue. Yeah. When I finally kill Rockstar's copy, I'll buy that one too, because I couldn't have enough copies of this album. <laughs> right on. Is there anything you want to plug before we head off into the night? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned it a few times, but my band, uh, Bon Nui, we have an EP on uh, Off-White House Records. You can find us on Instagram. Don't forget to listen to the Screen Therapy podcast. That's the main podcast about punk rock and mental health. There's 40 episodes on there now. ScreenTherapyHQ.com. HQ as in headquarters. Nobody gets that. ScreenTherapyHQ.com to check out the podcast there and some other stuff, my writing and these episodes as well. Thanks a lot for being here, Drew. It's always a pleasure to uh, chat and especially to chat about our favorite albums. Like I said off air, I could talk to you for an hour about fried eggs and I'd be <laughs> so stoked. So to bring up my favorite album, I'm so stoked to chat. Nice. We're going to end off with that uh, weird organ track we talked about. We'll see you next time. Shut your head!